It's very steep. It's one of the few trails we've ever hiked that I've actually taken a rest after going 30 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Usually I pride myself on never stopping ever. I just slow down and try to catch my breath. There was one time on that we went 30 feet. I had Uh to stop. And I think you were questioning my my desire to hike to Delta Lake at that point. (laughs) I was questioning... <laughs> what, questioning why you married me? Is that what you're going to say? No. I did not say that. <laughs> this is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're talking about some of our favorite hikes in the national parks. When you visit the national parks, there's a wide variety of activities available, everything from cave tours to boat tours and archaeological tours. But a majority of the parks also have hiking trails where you can set off on foot and explore some of the most magnificent scenery imaginable. When we decided to do an episode about our favorite hikes, we thought we'd have to arm wrestle each other to determine which ones were our favorite. But it turned out that we were on the same page about all of them. The problem wasn't deciding our favorites. It was that we have too many favorites to fit into a one-hour episode. The list of incredible hikes in the national parks is very, very long. Before we get into all that, we discuss a piece of camping gear that we love. And at the end of the episode in our mailbag segment, we answer a question about hiking a longer trail, a much, much longer trail. (laughs) That's right. Karen, you are never going to guess what's going to arrive at our house tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since there are a dozen packages that arrive every day from Amazon, you're right. I Uh, I have no idea. All of those are yours, by the way. I get one maybe once a month. No, the Lifetime 24-inch kids card table is coming. No way. I know. For for months and months because everyone in the world had to homeschool their kids and their their children didn't leave the house for six months. Everyone in the world bought one of those 24-inch Lifetime tables. And you literally could not buy one. For months. Oh, I know. We until looked they on, had to crank up the factory and make some more. <laughs> we and, looked on every single website for months and months. I can't believe that. That's and, amazing. And we, we had one that we gave away because uh, somebody needed one for their kids. And so then I thought, oh, yeah, no, no big deal. We'll just buy a new one. Because I even made a I 3D printed a little hook for it. <laughs> of course uh, you for did. For my gear wall <laughs> that only fit that table because we – we love that table when we travel and then couldn't find one. But now the factory must have made a new batch. So that's fantastic. One's we, coming. We should probably tell people what exactly we're talking about. What the heck is it? <laughs> well, when we we kind of have a new thing when we're traveling, this is this is kind of a 2020 inspiration. Instead of eating at restaurants and we like going to breweries, but a lot of places are closed in 2020. Anyway, so we're like picnicking in the park for lunch and especially dinner time at sunset. So we'll just have food in the truck, food and drinks, and we'll just take our little table and chairs and pull off by the side of the road and 
set up a picnic. And this 24-inch table is just the perfect size. Doesn't take up a lot of room in the truck. Very sturdy. Put our pizza on it if we've gotten a takeout pizza. So anyway, that's what we're t- that that is one of our favorite pieces of gear that we've actually never talked about because well. We haven't talked about it recently because you couldn't get one. Yeah. We love that little table. And it's it's thick and sturdy. It's those lifetime tables, right, that a lot of people have the adult size. But being the kid size, not only is it – so it's you know, 24 inches square, but it's low to the ground also. So when you're sitting in your low camp chairs, it's the perfect height. But I know during that time that we couldn't find one to replace the one that you gave away – you bought a different one that we tried, and it wasn't nearly as good. No, and it was actually a little bit more expensive than the Lifetime table. It's it's fine. It actually folds up a little bit smaller, but it was kind of rickety mm-hmm. uh, when we opened it up, and it was kind of a hassle to open it up. No, this, this thing, it's just like those old-fashioned card tables you remember when you were a kid, but just a miniature version. And then the, the top is molded plastic, a lot sturdier than mm-hmm. those old card tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much indestructible. You need one for either camping or just traveling to the parks. And no, we're not sponsored by Lifetime <laughs> or anyone for that matter. <laughs> yeah, but we will put the link to this up on our show notes, which can be found on com, And then you can buy it on Amazon through our link. And what we'll, we might even make a buck or two. Right. <laughs> if, if you do that, if you use the link that's in our show notes, I'll use an affiliate link. And that way, you know, we get paid, I don't know, a few percent for purchases that people make through Amazon. And that doesn't cost the people who buy stuff on Amazon anymore. It doesn't increase the cost of the thing. Just uh, we get paid a little bit. It helps support this podcast effort. <laughs> that's right. Well, now I'm really excited that uh, that it's coming. When When is the delivery? I don't know. I'm probably tomorrow. I'm pretty much just going to be camped out at our front door <laughs> after, In your chair after coffee uh, and uh, sometime be- before 9 p.m. Uh-huh. So I'll. OK, I'll, we should have a pizza delivered <laughs> and just like eat outside and pretend like we're actually somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not in our front yard. Right. <laughs> We could do that. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. (laughs) The title for this episode, number 27, is Our Favorite Hikes in the National Parks. But actually, I feel like it needs an asterisk next to it. This will cover some of our favorite hikes. This is our second take. We should tell people this is our second. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. This is our second take. The first take, uh, you had five pages of notes. <laughs> and every time a new page would come out, I would tell you that we already got three hours worth of material. So anyway, we had to, we had to like cut this down. We did. And I was sad about that because – there are so many great hikes in the national parks that we had to cut out, and I feel bad about that. So the, our next episode is going to be every single hike and every <laughs> single trail in every single national park. So stay tuned for that. It will be It'll a be marathon. A Twelve-hour episode. No, we can't. We we got to cut these episodes down. So we uh, we we talk too much. But we could. We could do an entire other episode of Stuff We Left Out of Great Hikes. So these are some of our favorites. Yes, yes. I'd say these are the marquee hikes, like the big hikes. But there are a lot of smaller, lesser-known trails that maybe we'll do a whole different podcast episode on those at another time. 
The other thing to mention is, and we've been doing these hikes now for over 10 years, and it still to this day surprises us when we do the research on these hikes, you can never find an accurate mileage for the trails. And so we'll, we'll talk about some of the mileage uh, for each of these trails, but just remember that they could be a half a mile longer or a half mile shorter, depending on where you look. And, and I, we've never really figured out what's the difference. I know, because the uh, national park websites would have one mileage, and then I would go to all trails, and their mileage was always different. And then I would look at a few blog posts, and their mileage would be different. And I know that when you and I have hiked some of these, and we have our GPS our mileage is different. Right, and I'll use a Gaia GPS app, and John will use his watch, and we'll be off for mileage. So the distances will tell you are approximate. Right, just to give you some kind of idea. So how about we start in Utah? Okay, let's start in Utah. <laughs> let's start with Arches National Park. Our favorite hike in Arches National Park would have to be Devil's Garden Primitive Loop Hike. If you do the entire loop, it's about eight miles. But there are short spurs to look at various arches. There are seven arches back there. So the eight miles is if you do all the spurs and the entire loop, it's eight miles. But you know what? A lot of people only hike to that first arch to landscape arch, which is two miles, and then they turn around. So after landscape arch, the crowd does thin out a lot. Yeah, and there's interesting things back there. There's a there's a kind of a particularly precarious fin that you go across <laughs> um, that looks scarier than it actually is, mm -hmm. um, unless it's really windy, which is we did one time when it was really windy. I like that trail. I do too. And when you get to the very back and then there will be a sign for the primitive trail starts here and there's some kind of a warning on it. Like this is a, maybe it just says this is a very primitive trail. It kind of warns people away. It's not that hard. Yeah, I'm surprised that they call it a primitive trail because you'd never lose the trail. Right. There is some scrambling involved. Um, a little bit. So, but it's fun. It's beautiful. The views, uh, you know, there are certain places you can see the views of the park, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it is a very fun hike because you are doing a little climbing and a little scrambling, and it's just – it's absolutely beautiful back there. Well, people might be surprised that we chose that one because one of the most famous – sites in all of the national parks is Delicate Arch, which is in Arches National Park. And, and that's a good hike, too. We, we love that just because it's, it's so iconic and it's beautiful. It can get crowded. Oh, my gosh. It's gotten so much more crowded in the last 10 years. Our, our first visit was in 2010, and I was just looking at photos of that. And there were probably 20, 25 people there besides us. And the last time we went a couple of years ago, there were hundreds of you people. You could swing a stick and hit 20 people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and people are all lined up because they want to get their photo taken under the arch. So the line stretched out for a very long way. But it is a great hike. It's a beautiful hike. I would just suggest that you go there very, very, very early in the morning so that you can beat the crowd because it is a lot different when it's not so crowded. Did we say it's about three and a half miles and 
630-ish feet elevation gain. So it's a little bit of an elevation gain. Yeah, so that, that seems to be all at the beginning of the hike, right? You you walk up that long yeah, sort of slick rock hill. And that's important to know if you're there in the summer and middle of the day and it's sunny and it's hot, uh, That that's a lot of elevation gain on slick rock. So be careful if, if that's the situation. That's right. Now, south of Arches is the Needles District of Canyonlands. So Canyonlands has what, three or maybe four districts? They do have four different units, mm-hmm. one one little one up in the northwest. But they've got Island in the Sky, which is in the north, Needles, which is in the southeast, and the Mays District in the southwest. And so the confluence of the Green and the Colorado Rivers make a big Y. Then the Colorado River goes south out of the park. That's what carves it into these three units. Wow, Matt, that was very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Do you have a geology podcast that we don't know about? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> you're giving me shit about your, your history channel uh, show no, that you I do just, in our basement. You just whipped that. Wasn't and we even don't in... even have a basement, <laughs> which is weird. You just whipped that right off the top of your head. That wasn't even written down anywhere. <laughs> you're impressed. <laughs> Because I used the word confluence, right? right. Do you need to take a break? (laughs) Go look up what confluence means. I need my dictionary (laughs) and my thesaurus. I don't have either one, so I'm in trouble. This is why we can't put all the parks in is because we get off track and we start blathering on. I'm not. I'm trying to stay with the outline. (laughs) Now back to the Needles District of Canyonlands. One of our favorite hikes ever is there. It's called the Chesler Park Joint Trail Loop. And it says... It's about 11 miles, although every time we've done it, we've recorded a much higher mileage. Yeah, like like 52 miles. <laughs> and that has to do with us getting lost and uh, becoming delirious in the uh, heat and not knowing where we are. But anyway. Uh-huh. This uh, particular hike is our nemesis, but we still love it so much. It's like we're a glutton for punishment. Big word episode here. <laughs> it's our nemesis. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's just say it starts at the Elephant Hill Trailhead, but we've started at the Squaw Flats Campground twice, and that adds two miles each way. I like that version, though. I liked it, too, because you see different scenery. There's nobody back there on those miles. Um, It's a little more of an adventure, but boy, it does make the hike a lot longer. And in all seriousness... If you do it, from, well, from whatever trailhead, take a headlamp. Everyone needs a headlamp. Mm-hmm. Because here's, here's the thing. By the way, they renamed it. It's no longer Squaw Flats, but if you, if you have old maps, it'll say Squaw Flats on it. I, I don't know what the new name of the campgrounds. But if you start at the campgrounds, there's a big part of the hike where you only, uh, you're only following Cairns. And if you're out there in the dark, you're, you're not going to see those Cairns. There's no way. And the reason that you mention that is because that is almost what happened to us. So the first time we hiked it, we got all the way to Chesler Park and we were about to head back. We were sort of turned around and we saw a sign that said campground. So we took that, even though it seemed like it was going in the wrong direction. Turns out it was to a different campground. And we got miles and miles off track until we realized we were headed in the absolute wrong direction and we turned around. But we almost didn't make it back to the truck by nightfall. 
Right. And it is a series of failures because we were also there in March and we're thinking because it felt like summertime. You're thinking that the days are longer, but in March, the days are so short. You know, it's the middle of the afternoon and it's great. But then you realize we only have two hours of daylight left. We forgot our headlamps. We did. And we were a little bit panicked. We were we were we running at yes. the end yes, to get we back. Because if you are out there and it's dark and you can't see those cairns, you you could fall into one of the canyons. You literally would have to just lay down right there and, and, and die. sleep. And just die. <laughs> or let the snakes crawl and over your body. In March it gets down in the thirties. Right. So anyway, we we survived that. Obviously, the second time we went, there were uh, some thunderstorms in the area that were sort of circling us, it seemed, and thunder and, and some lightning. So that was a little And then we went to the, through the time warp where, for some reason, there was on that back stretch, it seemed like forever. <laughs> um, so that, that turned into a really long hike. And the third time, it was dumb on our part. We hiked it in July got up to 103, even though we took the amount of water that the National Park Service website told us to take, it wasn't enough, and we ran out. We should have known when we looked at the forecast and it said red flag warning (laughs) (laughs) that we shouldn't have hiked, but I'm going to blame this one on John and Lolly because they 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 were were with us us and they're like, oh, no, it it, it won't get over 85. But boy, do we love this hike. (laughs) Uh, We do. And I would do it again. So um, you are hiking to and through the needles, which are these tall spires, pinnacles that look a little bit like needles, hence the name. Now, if you don't want to do the entire loop, you could just hike to Chesler Park and back, which is a fabulous hike. And that's six miles round trip and 1,250 feet of elevation gain. And you still get to see all the beauty of the needles. But one of our favorite parts of this was going down through the joint. Yeah, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Most unique kind of slot canyon we've ever been in because it's not so much of a slot canyon as just a big crack in the rock. But by crack, I mean it's three to five feet wide, but the walls are hundreds of feet high. Mm-hmm. So you're literally in this huge, huge crack at the bottom. And the, and the bottom is, is sandy and flat, so uh-huh. you can hike easily on it. And like you said earlier, I think – Don't do it if there's a chance of thunderstorms. We did not say that. But yes, that's right. You never want to go into any of those slot canyon type places if there is a chance of rain. But yeah, it's a fantastic hike. Even like I said, even if you just do the first half or you do the whole thing, we absolutely loved it. We did. I'd like to go back for a fourth time. Yeah, me too. Okay, so moving on to Capitol Reef National Park, our favorite hike there would be Cassidy Arch. I like that. Well, I like all these these hikes, or they wouldn't be on the list. It wasn't that long of a trail. No, it's pretty. It's short and steep. It's about it, three and a half miles round trip. Uh, the first part of it, you're going upstairs, step after step after step. It's a little steep at the beginning. This hike starts right off of the scenic drive, so you're back in that beautiful area. And when you get up there, you're overlooking the water pocket fold, and it is beautiful. And I was scared to walk out on the arch. And you don't have to do that. It's still a beautiful hike. You can see the arch, but some people then walk out over it. Well, you know what? It's weird because when you get up there to the end of the trail, you're looking down on the arch. Right. It's very odd. Yeah. I was scared too. We did not yeah, walk we, out we on didn't the arch. Walk out on the arch. Yeah. But it's supposedly named after Butch Cassidy, who hid out in that area oh, back I in the thought, day. Yeah, I thought he walked out on the arch and then fell. 
That's not one? I, I don't think so, happened? no. Okay. <laughs> I think he was hiding back there. Anyway, that's a really great hike if you are in Capitol Reef. The next park we'll talk about is Zion National Park. Now, one of our favorite hikes anywhere, and certainly our favorite in Zion National Park, is the Narrows. And the Narrows is essentially you're hiking up the Virgin River from where the canyon walls get narrow back at the end of the park road up by that, what is it, the... Temple of Sinawava. It's the Temple of Sinawava. <laughs> I just like to say that. <laughs> where you get off the bus and then you start hiking towards towards the river. That's one of our favorites. So we did an entire podcast episode on hiking the Narrows. It's episode number six. So we are not going to go into any detail now. But on episode six, if you want to check it out, we basically say every single thing you could ever want to know about hiking the Narrows, this amazing, incredible hike in Zion. But what we also want to talk about is our second favorite hike there, which is the West Rim Trail. I have trouble saying that, West, West Rim, Rim Trail. It's the West, West Rim West Trail. Rim. <laughs> the West Rim is actually 17 miles, but we're just going to talk about a short little section that starts at the grotto and runs for two miles and 1,100 feet elevation up to a place that's called Scout Lookout. Definitely get your uh, workout, your cardio done in that little stretch, uh, we go to Scott's Lookout. Most people who are going up this, they're going up this trail to go to Angel's Landing. Right. Which we <laughs> haven't done. I'd kind of like to do it. I know you, you're not interested in it. I'm not. And so we always avoided this hike because we thought it was the trail up to well, it is the trail up to Angel's Landing, but then there's a turnoff that goes to the kind of sketchy-looking part that has the chains. So even if you don't want to do that part of it, definitely hike up to Scout's Lookout for some incredible views uh, before that turnoff. And also, you'll get to experience Walter's Wiggles, which is a series of 21 short switchbacks. And remember we saw that woman yelling at her husband on there? We have, we have seen... <laughs> Several marital disputes on this trail, Walter which I think is, is great because <laughs> that's entertainment enough. I know. Uh, it's usually the wife sitting on a rock somewhere. What was the last last one we saw? She, what did she say? She said, you owe me you, big. You owe me big. <laughs> just, I, I whispered to him as I passed him. I'm like, just, just keep going, buddy. <laughs> Don't turn back. Don't turn back. <laughs> but anyway, once you get to Scout Lookout, you can continue up the West Rim Trail for miles and miles if you would like to. But even if you go up a half a mile, there the view just keeps getting better and better from up there. Yeah, I think if you go up that West Rim Trail from Scout's Lookout, the views are just as good, I think, of the valley that you would get from Angel's Landing. Oh, I think so, without too. The, without mm -hmm. the danger of falling off and dying. You actually look down on Angel's Landing that's right. and then into the valley. So that's a pro tip. Pro tip, right. <laughs> um, if you're planning to do this trail, uh, one piece of advice is head out early because it is very popular and it gets very crowded. Well, staying in Utah for one more national park, Bryce Canyon, uh, our favorite trail in Bryce Canyon, it's got to be the Fairyland Loop. Definitely. The I like the Fairyland Loop because it's less crowded. 
That's right. It's not directly off of the, that main section of the amphitheater where the parking areas are. It's a, it's a little bit off to the side, so it doesn't see as many people. It's also a little longer and more strenuous. If you do the entire loop, it's eight miles. And it's interesting because the elevation gain that I saw, it said 1,600 to 2,300 feet. I'm not sure what that big difference is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if somebody might be measuring it not as a loop. I think the 2,300 is closer to what it, it is. There is a lot of up and down. Close the loop mm-hmm. all the way. And then you're at elevation. You're at eight to 9,000 feet. So climbing is a little bit tougher at right. elevation. You definitely get a workout. Definitely, yes. But you see some things that you don't get to see on the other trails, just some different views of the of the hoodoos and all kinds of interesting rock formations. And like we said, it's a little more secluded and absolutely beautiful out there. And we love that trail. Well, let's go south to Arizona. Let's do that. To Let's start with Grand Canyon. Okay. Karen, what is your favorite trail in the Grand Canyon. Now, this is our favorite trail that doesn't start from the river. So we did, you know, episodes right. mm-hmm. about doing the dory trips in the river and there's a lot of great hikes from the river, but this is from the rims. That's right. So my favorite trail would be the Bright Angel Trail. And this is on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And the trailhead starts just west of Bright Angel Lodge. So if you're staying in any of those hotels along the rim, it's basically right there. So if you were to hike all the way down to the Colorado River, it's eight miles down and 4,500 feet elevation change. Uh, Now, the National Park Service says do not hike down and back in one day, and we would agree. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. You you can do it. I mean, young people that are (laughs) young and in shape, we've seen people do that. But still, that's a lot of elevation change all the way down and all the way back in one day. Yeah. So what we would suggest is you can hike down a mile and a half to the first rest house, which is basically a shelter. And that is a thousand feet of elevation change. Usually there is water available in this rest house. Not always. So you definitely want to make sure you have water with you. But that would be a great place to start. Just a mile and a half down and then a mile and a half back up. One time when we were hiking up the Bright Angel Trail, we ran into a couple who We're about 1.4 miles from the top, desperately asking us where that shelter was. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Yeah, they had run out of water already Yeah, 1.4 miles. And now if you want something slightly more ambitious, there is another rest house at three miles. And that is an elevation change of 2,000 feet. So you could go down to the three-mile rest house and then back up. Now, And then the next point is Indian Garden, which is about four and a half miles. And I got to say that... We have hiked to Indian Garden and back, and that that's strenuous coming back up. It, it's easy going down, but the going back up is tough. So just remember that you've got to get yourself back up. Yeah, and, and keep in mind how warm it is. Right. right? There's not a lot of shade. Mm-hmm. There's, well, there's no shade, really. Yeah. It's a little bit cooler at the top of the rims than it is at the bottom of the canyon. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah. So that's strenuous. Yeah, but it's a great way to check out the trails, see some amazing views, and just see what is below the rim of the Grand Canyon. So a little further south from the Grand Canyon is Saguaro National Park. Saguaro National Park. (laughs) 
has a couple of different districts, mm-hmm. an east and a west. Uh, we've hiked in both of them. And the I think the hike that if I were going to choose my favorite hike, I think it would be Wasson Peak. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Wasson? 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 Since I'm not even saying the park name <laughs> correct. Uh, that was interesting. That's in the West District. That's right. The Tucson Mountain District. Wasson Peak is... Well, it kind of depends on where you start from because there's a network of trails to get up there. So if you start at the Sweetwater Trailhead, it's 9.3 miles and 2,100 feet elevation gain. If you would like a shorter hike, uh, you can start at the King Canyon Trailhead, and it's about 7.5 miles from there. But you go up, 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 and then when you're at the top of this peak, you see some beautiful views. Great views, and mm-hmm. I think l- less crowded than the east unit uh, of the park. Definitely. I think we saw maybe one or two other people on the trail, and we've hiked it a couple of times. Yeah. And on that trail, I was hoping to see a, a Gila monster. I know you were looking. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure if I had seen one, I would, wouldn't like it as much as I thought think I'm going to like it. But anyway. Aren't those the ones that they they, they bite a hold of, they grab a hold of you and you bite and you can't get them off? You can't get them off. They don't bite as much as, as they saw. And they, Okay. Why they, would you even want to see I one think, of those? <laughs> <laughs> They're a rare, interesting animal mm-hmm. that I would like to see. <laughs> we also heard, do you remember this? As we're driving out, we heard the mountain lion. That was crazy. That was crazy. We're driving out middle of the day and we hear this. I don't know. What do you call that sound? It's not a roar. You know, it's not a growl. It's just some kind of weird cat sound. Mm -hmm. It's like a giant cat on steroids. But it had to be. It couldn't have been more than 30 feet away from our car. I know. Thank goodness we were in in a car at the time. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't see any creatures. Uh, We heard them, but we did not see any on that hike. Let's go further west. You want to go to California? Let's go to California. (laughs) Okay, okay. And let's talk about our favorite hike in Joshua Tree National Park. Joshua Tree obviously has a lot of great hikes. Now, most of the hikes are short, and there there are some nature walks, and we were looking for a long trail with some views, so we asked one of the park rangers, and she told us about her favorite trail, which wasn't even on our radar. I'd never even heard of this trail. Yeah, the Panorama Loop. And it starts from that Black Rock Canyon campground. We're in the 29 Pines area of the park, Mm -hmm. right, up there and kind of to the west side. So that Black Rock Canyon campground. And this trail is about six and a half miles. It is a loop. Mm -hmm. It's got some elevation gain to it, about 1,200 feet. It goes right by – there's a, a spur trail as you're climbing up that goes to Warren Peak, and I know a lot of people add that as well. That would make it a little bit longer than six and a half miles, but not a whole lot. A couple of things I really liked about this trail is, one, the ranger told us that we would see some of the largest Joshua trees in the park, which we did. Yeah. There, there were some huge ones. Yeah, and, <laughs> and those really large Joshua trees are spectacular. Oh, my gosh. They are absolutely beautiful. They don't look as Dr. Susie. Right. They're more perfectly formed. I have a picture of you walking under one. It's absolutely beautiful. We'll post that. But the other thing I really liked about this This part of the park is not very well known, and it's fairly secluded. So if you've ever been to Joshua Tree during high season, 
the lines to get in and to get through that entrance station can back up for miles and you're waiting and you're waiting with hundreds of cars, but not in this part, not in the Black Rock Canyon campground. You just kind of slip in. There's a tiny little visitor center there. You can park and do the hike from there. But we should talk about just the hike really briefly, the the loop hike up there. Remember when we got to the top? Yeah, beautiful overlooks. Oh, my gosh. Towards the west, yeah. It, well, in every direction. The views were amazing. And it was a little little strenuous, that last section, to mm-hmm. get to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were, I think, the only ones on that trail. We probably saw literally 10 people on the, the whole time we did that trail. Yes, that is that is a gem. Now, our last podcast episode was all about Death Valley, and we talked about this particular hike in detail, so we'll just touch on it briefly. But uh, the hike in Death Valley that's our favorite would be the Gower Gulch Golden Canyon Loop. And that's a trail that's not super long. You could do it in in about 4.3 miles as a loop. And when you get to the backside of it, you feel like you're on the moon. Oh, yes. You're all by yourself. In that Badlands area. Yeah. It's it's very striking, um, the landscape, how it changes when you're up there. Now, we wish we would have added in, again, that's kind of a network of trails up there. You can add in Zabriskie Point, and you can also add in the spur that goes to Red Cathedral. And if you do all of those, the whole loop is 7.8 miles. And that's not too bad. Take plenty of water. We saw a lot of uh, folks leaving the parking lot with not much water. So I know. We we also ran out of water, which is why we had to cut it short. So, yeah, it's uh, even on a 60-degree somewhat cool day, it's, it's deceiving how much water you need to have with you. So changing landscapes in California, uh, let's move on to Sequoia National Park. Sequoia National Park. And our favorite hike there is that giant forest loop trail, which is about seven miles. I love that trail. And the, one of the great things about this trail is it starts as a paved trail around some of the most iconic trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of easy access and there's quite a few people. But then you can keep going and take a part of the trail that a lot of people don't go on. The second half of the trail is is back kind of in, not wilderness area, but there's not many people back there. There's not. It seems that most people want to see the General Sherman tree, which is the largest tree by volume in the world. So people will park in the parking lot. They'll, they'll hike down, take their photos in front of it, and then they leave. And most people do not continue on. But if you do continue on, you see more amazing trees. Uh, you see there's a grove called the Senate. Anyway, the numbers start falling off. So if you're by the General Sherman tree, you might be there with 100 other people. But as you make your way back to this giant forest loop trail, you are likely to be the only people back there. We saw uh, one tree that had blown down and just the the blowdown was uh, amazing because the roots that, you know, that tip over perpendicular now – just though the roots were probably 50 feet high. Oh my gosh, and it had fallen over the trail, so they had to they had to cut a tunnel through the tree yeah. that you could walk through. So that was kind of cool to see, but yeah, massive trees back there and fortunately not very many people. And we're going to have to go back there. I'd love to do the giant forest loop trail when there's snow. I would too. That is on my bucket list for sure. 
Sequoia's sister park right next door is Kings Canyon National Park. And our favorite trail in there is back in the Cedar Grove area. And that trail would be Mist Falls. If you go, if you take that road all the way back to a place called Road's End, and they name it that because it's where the road ends. (laughs) (laughs) Very cleverly named. (laughs) And uh, yeah, you go up to Miss Falls. One of the things, and I think we may have said this in another episode, but if you do this trail in the summertime, have a head net with you. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know what time of year they're, they're worse, but for us, it was black flies. Yeah, and it was September, which was surprising because I know in Washington State, by September, usually the bugs are, are pretty much non-existent. We were surprised how many bugs that there still were. But the Mist Falls Trail is about 8.7 miles round trip and 879 feet of elevation gain. And you will... You will have no doubt when you get to Mist Falls because you'll be getting wet. (laughs) (laughs) There's mist everywhere. I think the person who named Mist Falls also named Rhodes End. Right, yeah. A clever ranger back in the day. That's right. In charge of naming all the, Mm -hmm. the stuff in Kings Canyon. That's right. Now, there are a lot of amazing trails back there at Rhodes End. I know people who want to hike the um, the John Muir Trail start from there. A lot of backpacking, uh, multi-day trips start from there because it's absolutely beautiful in this Kings Canyon area. If we go then north, if you're going to Sequoia and Kings, you're probably also visiting Yosemite because they're not too far away. And it's kind of hard to to say which is our favorite trail. I would say that it's the Tuolumne Meadows from the Meadows area to Glen Allen and back. Yeah, the Glen Allen Trail. That was beautiful. It's about 11 miles round trip, but it's only 800 feet elevation gain. And I remember that being pretty easy. Right. What we didn't realize at the time, that we were hiking back to the, one of the High Sierra tent camps back there, which, again, is called Glen Allen. And we were surprised. We all of a sudden get back in this wilderness area, and there are these big canvas tents set up. <laughs> I know. If you didn't have to carry a tent and some of the other stuff, I think they even feed people back there. You can mm-hmm. stay in these tents. but I could do backpacking that way. And they have mules that carry your stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> So that's, Sign me that's up. <laughs> what we need to be doing. And we actually have looked into this mm-hmm. and you need uh, you need reservations and those are hard to get. Because, Very hard to get. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll get lucky enough to win the lottery and, and get a permit for the Glen Allen camp and the others. They ha- And then they have series, right? A that's series, right. I, series think are, of these. I think there are five uh, high Sierra camps, I believe. Yeah. That's correct. And They're then you carry our stuff. I'll. I'll do that. That's right. You just hike from one to the other and stay in these tents. And it sounds – it's glamping for sure. I yeah. think it's not camping. Now, the other trail that we love that everyone <laughs> loves is the Mist Trail. A little crowded. <laughs> um, and this will take you up to Vernal Fall or Nevada Fall. If you go up to Vernal, it's about – 1.2 miles one way and a thousand vertical feet of elevation. So you're basically going up steps. And if you continue on to Nevada Fall, it's another one and a half miles and another thousand feet of elevation gain. This trail starts back at the kind of back end of the Yosemite Valley. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a little bit crowded. The trail can be a little slippery too. I remember 
depending on the time of the year and how much water is running, uh, you can get some mist on the trail. Saw a lot of high heels on that trail. A lot of high heels, a lot of flip flops. Um, yeah, it's it, it's always shocking to us what the, some of the things people are wearing on these very crowded, very popular hikes. But it's like like any trail, even the popular trails in the popular parks. The further you go down the trail, the fewer people there are, and by the time you kind of get up to the harder parts, the crowd thins out. Just word of warning, if you get up to those pool areas, they look enticing. Mm-hmm. People want to swim in those. It's it's super dangerous to go in the water. People have died many times. People have gone in and swam and gone over the falls. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty treacherous. There's plenty of signs up, but people do it anyway. So right. w- word of caution uh, and keep the kids away from the from the water up there. Uh, definitely. And this is the same trail that you would take if you were doing Half Dome. So. Yeah, that's the start of the mm-hmm. Half Dome, mm-hmm. which, right. which is another thing we haven't done yet. I don't know. I still feel that's in my bucket. Maybe <laughs> It's not in mine, but yeah. I will cheer you on from the bar at the Iwani. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will think of you as I have, as I have a cocktail. Um, so moving north from Yosemite to Lassen Volcanic National Park, Our favorite trail is the Bumpus Hell Trail. We loved that one. And we've done this a couple of times. We caught it at just the absolute right time. Mm -hmm. It was uh, mid-September. It had just snowed like two inches overnight, but it was a warm-ish, sunny day. And we're there in the morning as the sun's coming up, the snow's starting to melt, there's Mist rising from the melting snow, but then you get into these thermal areas, and it looks very much like Yellowstone. It does. There are boiling mud pots and steam vents and also has that kind of same sulfur smell. To be honest with everyone, I think you're right about the first time we caught it at the exact most magical moment. Then we went back a second time, and it was in the afternoon, and it wasn't quite so magical. Do you remember that? There, there wasn't steam coming up. It was hot. Yeah, I would say that that's probably then the worst time. So we kind of mm-hmm. kind of caught it at its absolute best and absolute mm-hmm. worst. I think it's a on average. I think it's a great trail to do. I do too, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but it's about three miles. Most of it, you're walking on a boardwalk through these hydrothermal areas. It's just cool to see because it is like a mini Yellowstone in California, and we've never seen any other place like it besides Yellowstone. And the, the whole Lassen uh, Volcanic National Park, it's, it's a beautiful park to drive through. So, oh gosh, so you got to do that. But before we leave California, we got to do Pinnacles. We do have to People do People forget about Pinnacles, but it well, is a national park. Yes, it was what? The, the fif- six, 59th? 59th National and Park. We're losing track. Yeah. Yes, and when we visited, we had never heard of this place. It was a national monument before it became a park. We didn't know where it was, and we were very, very pleasantly surprised by Pinnacles and this hike that we did. And they have condors there. I know. Who knew? We did not know that. (laughs) One of of your favorite birds, Karen. (laughs) And the hike, our favorite hike in that is it's Condor Gulch. Then up to the High Peaks Loop Trail, mm-hmm. which That's kind right. of takes you up into the pinnacles. And uh, at, at the top there, you have great views. And you can see over then to the west side of the park, which you can't see 
until you kind of get up there. That's right. And so Pinnacles has an east side and a west side, and you cannot drive between the two. You have to go completely around. So this particular trail starts on the east side. Now, what we did was a 5.3-mile loop, but there are, again, a few additional small loops you can tag on and a spur or two. So if you wanted to spend more time up there, you could add on to that. What I was kind of surprised was, and I, I know we wrote about this in Dear Bob and Sue, is that the ranger recommended this to us. It was a, it was more strenuous than I thought. Do you remember those stone steps cut yeah. into the rock? Kind of and at, at the top, it's it's a little strenuous at the top there. There's very steep, rocky, I don't know what you'd call it. Pinnac- <laughs> pinnacles? Pinnacles of rocks? Pinnacles of rock. Uh, uh, up there? Huh. And they have like a, they do have a handrail, but you have to go up one side and then down the other. This whole hike is about 1,300 feet elevation gain. But it was very fun and the views are beautiful. All kinds of slabs of rocks. And don't forget about the condors. <laughs> right. So let's move to our home state of Washington, okay, shall we? Okay, let's do that. Okay. Let's talk about uh, North Cascades first. Okay, North Cascades. When we first went to all the national parks, we we totally blew it on this one because we did not realize how many great trails there are in this park. But since then, fortunately, we have learned and, and done many of them. I think my favorite would be that Cascade Pass. That was something. We did an entire podcast episode about that particular hike. It, it was episode number two, and it was about our backpacking trip to Sahali Glacier, but you start off by going up to Cascade Pass and then you continue on. So we have all the details in episode two, but we'll just touch briefly on this. I will have to say on that hike that we did to Sahali Glacier, when we got to Cascade Pass, if we would have just stopped and camped there, which of course you can't, there's not a campsite, Mm -hmm. but that was beautiful enough. It was a spectacular view up there at Cascade Pass. And it's it's not easy to get up to there. It's what? It's about three and a half miles to the pass. Mm-hmm. 1,800 feet elevation gain. And what I remember about that were the switchbacks. There were there were more than 30. I thought John counted like 39 or something. But there are a lot of switchbacks to get up there. Just It, it yeah, seems it just like they're goes, never going to end. Right. It just goes back and forth up this, this steep mountain. Mm-hmm. and uh, But once you get up there, yeah. oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. From that point, if you want to continue on to Sahali Glacier that we mentioned, it's, it's only another two miles, which doesn't sound like much. But it's 2,200 feet more elevation gain. And that that about did us in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh. Now, one thing we should mention, if you want to do this particular hike, you have to access it on the Cascade River Road, which is a 23-mile road to the trailhead. And the first third of it is paved. But then after that, it becomes gravel. And it's only open for... Gosh, the later part of the summer and early fall, right? Well, I think they say late June, but when we did that trail, it was late July, and we literally were there the first day it opened. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize this until we got up there and kind of saw them clearing this road. When they're clearing for the winter, it's not just because the snow is all piled up. 
a lot of times what happens is you get these mini avalanches and a lot of what they're clearing is rock and debris and, and logs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not just a matter of, oh, well, by July, it should all be melted. That's right. So that is Cascade Pass. Absolutely. I think one of the premier hikes in North Cascades. Also in the state of Washington. One of the most famous parks in the park system is Mount Rainier National Park. A lot of great hikes up there. I think that Skyline Loop Trail from Paradise uh, would be my vote for the my favorite hike in the park. I agree. I love that hike. You can start either at Paradise Inn or at the Visitor Center up there, depending on which way you're going to do the loop. It's about five and a half miles, uh, 1,450 feet elevation gain. I think most people hike it clockwise. We hiked it counterclockwise, which I liked because we were kind of going against the flow of traffic. Right. And this trail will definitely be under snow until July. So you don't even want to try to do it before then. We did it in August, late August, actually, both times we've done it. And and it was fine at that point. But it's definitely a mid to late summer or early fall hike. Well, the third national park in our home state is Olympic National Park. We've done a ton of hikes there. And one of my favorite areas in the park is Hurricane Ridge. A 17-mile road takes you to the elevation of about 5,200, and the views are jaw-dropping. They are. And one of the great trails up there, our favorite trail, is Hurricane Hill. We have done this both as a snowshoe and uh, just a summer hike when there's no snow. Beautiful views. We did it once at sunset. Incredible oh, views at sunset. Yeah. I mean, I think we just we caught it at a, mm-hmm. the end of a storm, and so there were beautiful clouds up there. Now, in the winter, if you plan to do it as a snowshoe, it's only open, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Mm-hmm. That's um, right. It's a, it's a beautiful summer hike. It also. is, and it's it's short and sweet. It's about 3.2 miles round trip with 800 feet elevation gain. Now, that is if you drive to the Hurricane Hill uh, Trailhead parking. If you have to park further away at the Visitor Center, which we have done in the winter, it's a six miles round trip. And just one note, when we were snowshoeing there the last time, we turned back. We did not do the six miles because there was avalanche danger and it did look a little sketchy. I'm afraid of avalanches just to begin with. I don't want my last words on this planet to be, what's that sound? <laughs> but recently we we witnessed an avalanche from a safe distance and they are scary. Mm-hmm. It's It's not something you want to mess with. Absolutely not. Okay, so those were kind of the clusters of states we had. We're just going to go quickly through some random states and some random parks, starting in Oregon with Crater Lake National Park. Crater Lake. We've done this hike uh, several times in Crater Lake National Park, Garfield Peak. And it's a good little um, it's good little exercise to yeah. get up there. Uh-huh. And, and a great – this is one of those great hikes where the destination is worth the effort because there's great views and you, mm-hmm. you're – overlooking the lake and it's uh, you can see forever. That's right. You can start right at Crater Lake Lodge. Uh, the trail is only three and a half miles round trip, about a thousand feet elevation gain. What we would suggest is park at the lodge, go do the hike, and then go into the lodge, get yourself a beer, and go sit outside over the lake and uh, and have a little happy hour there. That yeah. would be our perfect, our perfect afternoon in Crater Lake. So that's our choice for Crater Lake. Mm-hmm. And again, these are kind of in random order, but 
Uh, let's talk about Yellowstone National Park. Okay, gosh, Yellowstone is so huge. It's, and <laughs> it's such a spectacular park if you never get out of the car. That's right. Um, That's right. But uh, I think my favorite hike in that park is that Upper Geyser Basin. Mm-hmm. It's just that three-mile loop that starts right there at the uh, Old Faithful Inn. That's right. And when you start off and when you go to Old Faithful, if you haven't been there before, it, it, it's crowded. There's no doubt about it. You have the you have the lodging properties there. And, of course, you have Old Faithful and a, a huge visitor center. So there are massive amounts of people there. But when you get out on the, the boardwalk trail and this upper Geyser Basin Trail, which is a three-mile loop, the crowds kind of fade away because they all want to. They're all standing to see um, Old Faithful go off, and that's a cool hike because there is a chance, usually a pretty good chance, that there are bison in and around that mm-hmm. that area. It's always cool to see them around the thermal features. That's right. Of all of the geysers in the park, most of them are located in this upper geyser basin. And just one square mile of it contains at least 150 of these hydrothermal wonders. So this this particular uh, three-mile loop that we're talking about is the most densely concentrated geyser region in the world. So don't miss this one. (laughs) Now, just south of Yellowstone is the beautiful Grand Teton National Park. That's right. I was going to call it its sister park, but I don't think it's a sister. (laughs) No. I don't think they're related. They're just next to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Now, our favorite trail there would be the Cascade Canyon Trail. Now, it seems long when you say the mileage. Because it is. (laughs) It's 13.6 miles round trip, but that goes all the way back to where the trail forks. We've never actually made it back that far. With a lot of these hikes uh, or a lot of these trails, you don't have to do the whole thing. Like this one, if you go halfway up and and turn around, it's just as beautiful. That's right. You can hike up to this spot that's called Inspiration Point, and it has a great lookout of Jenny Lake. And that's only six miles round trip. The other option, too, is there is a shuttle boat that goes across the lake, and you can buy tickets for that. And if you take the boat to the trailhead, that shaves off about two miles each way. So that cuts out a lot of the hiking as well. Another tip we can mention here is because this area gets so crowded around that visitor center at Jenny Lake, there's another area you can park up by String Lake Mm -hmm. to the I guess that would be the north of Jenny Lake. Seems to be less crowded. We've always found a parking spot over there. Mm-hmm. And then then we enter the trail from that side. You're, you're not missing anything if you end up uh, parking at String Lake and, and hiking from there. Right. And in fact, it's on that side where we've seen moose up on the hillside. And then once on the trail, going up to Inspiration Point, we saw a mama moose and her baby. Yeah, I think we've seen moose every time we've hiked this trail, which is cool. Yeah, it's a beautiful trail. Highly recommend. Now, we're going to talk about one more called Delta Lake. Mm. Now, this isn't our favorite hike or our favorite trail, but it is. Because it's not a trail. (laughs) Because it's not a trail. It is our favorite destination in Grand Teton because Delta Lake is this beautiful emerald green lake surrounded by mountains, and it is stunning. (laughs) It's beautiful up there. You kind of have to just climb up the side of a mountain to get to the lake. Yes, that's the that's the downside. <laughs> <laughs> 
A big chunk of it is on a trail. It's You start at Lupine Meadows and you are actually going up an established trail. But then there's a point where you leave the trail and you cut across um, into the wilderness. And then you have to climb up a boulder field. And it was a little sketchy at that point. Well, and even if you get out of the boulder fields, then then you're just grabbing tree roots and pulling yourself up. Yeah, it's very steep. It's one of the few trails we've ever hiked that I've actually taken a rest after going 30 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Usually I pride myself on never stopping ever. I just slow down and try to catch my breath just by slowing down. There was one time on that we went 30 feet. I had Uh, to stop. And I think you were questioning my my desire to hike to Delta Lake at that point. I was questioning... (laughs) (laughs) What? Questioning why you married me? Is that what you're going to say? No. I did did not say that. (laughs) So I had seen a picture of Delta Lake on Instagram, of course, and I immediately wanted to go there. And I, I did do the research. There are a lot of blog posts on how to get to Delta Lake. So I was pretty confident we could make it. But we still stopped in the visitor center and asked the ranger. I said, I just want to go over my information. We park here. We do this. We do this. And she was. She said, I can't tell you. We got in trouble just for asking. I know. We did. We, we were we did. like in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. But that did not deter us. It we, did not we, deter we us. We got in a different line. <laughs> <laughs> we asked another ranger who was standing like three feet away from the other ranger. She could hear us ask the same question. And then he, he couldn't tell us any information. Anyway, to make a long story short – Turns out the supervisor of the rangers at that visitor center said, okay, it's okay. I mean, I think the supervisor realized, look, they're going anyway. Right. So we can help them or we can rescue <laughs> right. them. So you might as well like, give them a few tips so that they don't die. And uh, so, so we, got, we got a few tips, but I don't know, maybe it's changed since. I don't think they want you going up there to Delta Lake. No, but it's also not closed. They could certainly close the area and and we would we would obey that closure. It's not closed. <laughs> oh, and we, so we, we went, went up there and I I will have to say it was worth it was worth the blood, sweat and tears to get up there, don't you think? It, it was, was We but, might need to put a disclaimer yeah, on the end of this I think uh, I just episode. said like we yeah, do not sue us. <laughs> this is our this is our first exhibit uh-huh. for the court. We we warned you. <laughs> Uh, now, the next park we're going to talk about is beautiful Glacier National Park in Montana. And we had a tough time figuring out which was our favorite hike there because there are so many great ones. But I think we finally both agreed on Grinnell Glacier. That is one of my favorite hikes of, of all national parks. Beautiful hike there. And then the destination's great also. It has everything going for it. It does have everything going for it. <laughs> it's a little bit strenuous, about 10 and a half miles, 1,800 foot elevation gain. And kind of like when we were talking about Grand Teton, you can do some boat trips across some of the lakes to cut off some of that trail to make the hiking part of it shorter. And then you get a boat ride out of it. Yeah. You take one boat. I think you have to get off hike a tiny bit, get on another boat. But if you do that, it does shave off 3.2 miles. This hike, I, I can't even describe how incredibly beautiful it is, especially once you climb up on that ridge line and you're looking down at lower Grinnell Lake, which is turquoise. And then you're looking at the garden wall and it's absolutely beautiful. And then when you get back to Grinnell Glacier, there's upper Grinnell Lake there and it has like little chunks of icebergs right, little, floating little in icebergs. it. 
The other thing that we love and are scared to death about is that this hike has probably the most wildlife in the area of any hike we've L- ever been on. Large mammals, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a little bit like being at a zoo, but you're on the inside of the zoo where the animals are. You've got grizzlies, which are brown bears. Mm-hmm. There's black bears. Mm-hmm. You've seen those. Mountain goats, bighorn sheep, moose. So all the big ones. All the big ones. And you think, well, you just really have to worry about the bears. That That is not totally true. We were on that trail and it was a, a part of the trail where the vegetation was very close to us. And I'm not talking about like like knee-high grass, but bushes that were six feet tall. And coming at us on the trail, slow but deliberately, was the biggest bighorn sheep we have ever seen. That's right. And there were, what, two more behind him? He was the size of a horse. And um, that's not an exaggeration. And, and the curls the, on his, that's he, not what his, the horns are called when they curl back like that? Oh, my gosh. It was massive. And uh, so he kept coming. And we had bear spray, uh, which I actually got my bear spray out because I didn't know if, how aggressive he was going to be. And we had nowhere to go. Finally, we pushed ourselves into the bushes. And we got back maybe eight to 10 feet off the trail to just kind of indicate to them, like, we're we're giving ground, right? <laughs> like, we give, you, you're, uh-huh. you're in charge. And he got to the spot where we had turned off. He looked at us, and he bent his head down, showing us his horns, mm-hmm. which is a scary thing <laughs> when you're 10 feet away from a bighorn sheep that's the size of a horse. Which He was just basically saying, this is how big I am, uh-huh, uh-huh. so don't <laughs> mess with this. And then fortunately, he kept going. Fortunately. That was a little too close for comfort. Anyway, it is... It is one of the most beautiful hikes we've ever been on. If you are staying back in the Many Glacier area, if you know if you're at the Many Glacier Hotel or Swift Current Lodge or you're camping, you'll be fine because you can just walk from there. But if you if you are driving back there for the hike, you have to get there as early as you possibly can because at some point when the lots are full, they close off the entire area and you can't even drive back into Mini Glacier. So we can't stress enough, if you want to go do that hike and you're staying elsewhere in the park, get up at the crack of dawn to get back there. We, we've even failed to get a parking spot when we were staying at mm-hmm. the Mini Glacier Hotel yeah. and just had to circle for a while. Okay, so moving all the way down to Texas and Big Bend National Park. We enjoyed that park because there's there's river, there's desert, there's mountains. Yeah, it has a little bit of everything. Such a unique landscape in Big Bend. Um, I think, well, we, ha- we had two favorites we'll mention quickly. So there's the Lost Mine Trail. That's about five miles round trip and 1,100 feet elevation change. Uh, takes you to some incredible views. Uh, one thing I remember vividly about that is that for some reason we were on the lookout for mountain lions. I, I don't know. Did the ranger tell us? Well, we saw it where somebody had taken a picture of the mountain lion walking through the parking lot of the lodge where we were staying. And and, and then, yeah, a, a ranger said, we asked, will we see a mountain lion on this trail? And they said, you probably won't see them, but they'll probably see you. So we were yeah. keeping our eyes out. And we, we were. We did not see one, thankfully. <laughs> um, the other trail that we really loved is called the Window Trail, and that is – uh, that starts at the Chisos Mountain Lodge, about five and a half miles, a thousand feet elevation change. And that goes from from the lodge. I think it goes 
pretty much down a thousand feet. Mm -hmm. And so just keep in mind, you have to hike those thousand feet back up. Be careful when you get to the window because it is a sheer drop off. Oh my gosh. And what you're standing on is a dry pour off and it's very slick. I remember it's like polished rock. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful. That's right. Now this is, don't confuse this. There is another trail over there called the window view trail. That's much, much shorter. It's a different trail. So the window trail is different from the window view trail. All right. Further east, Great Smoky Mountains. Our favorite hike in that park was Lacant Logs. And we did that from via the Alum Cave Trail. That was a little deceptive because I, I kept thinking that we were, were there and we weren't. It, it seemed a lot longer than the description was. And it's about 2,500 feet uh, elevation gain. So it's a good, pardon the pun, hike to get to the top. <laughs> yeah, it's five and a half miles round trip. So it, that's almost what? Thousand feet a mile. Yeah. 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 I remember it was a little difficult, but we got up there and you're at this very cool backcountry lodge. Uh, so we hung out for a while and ate our lunch and thought, we need to come back and stay at this lodge. And they don't, to maintain that lodge, they don't use mules, they use llamas. I know. Isn't that cool? To, to get supplies up and, and back. Did we see llamas? I think we did see the llamas that were up at the top when we were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We tried to hitch a ride back, but. Um, <laughs> They would let us get on the llama. Biters or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very beautiful hike, though. And Alum Cave was interesting to stop and see along the way as well. So we would highly recommend that if you are in Great Smoky Mountains. Okay, moving on all the way to the northeast up to Acadia National Park in Maine. Well, you have to do Cadillac Mountain just for the name. You do. <laughs> yeah. When you and I did it, it was October and the colors were beautiful. Oh, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all of the smaller scrub and, and vegetation, they were it was turning colors for the fall. And uh, yeah, that, that's beautiful. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of trails to hike up there. We have done it on the South Ridge Trail, which is about seven and a half miles round trip and 1,500 feet elevation gain. And of course, if you've ever been to Acadia, you know that you can also drive to the top. So, and and we knew that, but I just remember when we got sort of close to the top and all of a sudden this trolley's going by and people are walking their dogs. And it was yeah. it was kind of a shock to yeah, get there. Yeah, I don't know there. if I... You do all this work to get to the top, and then there are people. I think there might be more people starting to hike up there in the future because I just read that uh, the National Park Service is going to be implementing a timed entry vehicle reservation system starting this spring. It'll be in effect from May to October, from sunrise to sunset. So anyone who wants to drive up there has to have a reservation, has to pay an extra $2 to get up there into park. And actually, they're seeking public input at the moment because they want to triple the cost of that to $6. And that's in addition to the park fee, which I believe is $30. So I think there are some folks who aren't too happy about that. But it will relieve the congestion up there. It's a zoo trying to trying to drive up there and find parking. It's a beautiful island. But because it's beautiful and it's a great place to visit, there's a lot of people there. So uh, it's getting a little crowded. It's a theme that I guess is all over the national park system. That's right. Okay, and moving on to the only national park in Nevada, which is Great Basin. This trail packs a big punch, doesn't it? The Bristlecone and Glacier Trail. That's the name of it. And I love seeing Bristlecone pine trees just because they're 3,000 years old. 
I know. They're the oldest living trees on the planet. And they generally only live at that altitude between like nine and 11,000 feet. Right. And this hike is at 9,800 feet. So I, I think that's my excuse for why I was huffing and puffing <laughs> because the trail, this trail itself is only 4.6 miles round trip with 1,100 feet elevation gain. And I think it is the most impressive grove of bristlecone pines we've seen. Mm-hmm. We've seen them at Cedar Breaks National Monument in Utah, also at uh, Bryce Canyon. But th- this is a this is a cool stand of bristlecone pines and the trail was not very crowded even the parking lot was not very crowded when we were up there that's right and it takes you at the end it takes you to um the only glacier in nevada so so it's a double bonus you get the bristlecone pine trees and you get to see a glacier in nevada so it's a it's a wonderful trail last one last one is in rocky mountain national park in colorado Again, we've done a bunch of trails there. It's hard to it's hard to choose a favorite in Rocky Mountain. I think it would be Emerald Lake, which is three and a half miles round trip and about six hundred and fifty feet elevation gain. Now it starts at the very popular Bear Lake Trailhead. And that, again, like some of these others we mentioned, gets extremely crowded. And if you don't get there early, there will be no place to park. I think the last time we did that hike, when we came out back to our car, people were circling uh, because all the spots were taken. So, yeah, get there early. And this one, again, you are also hiking at elevation. It's at 9475 feet of elevation is where you're starting at the trailhead. Um, So you go by a couple of lakes. Well, you start off at Bear Lake, and then you go by Nymph Lake and Dream Lake to get to Emerald Lake. So, you know, it's beautiful. You're you're in Rocky Mountain National Park. What's not to love about that? <laughs> and it can still have snow. What? When were we there? And were we there in June? Early June. Early mm-hmm. June, and we ran into a bunch of snow. We actually put our micro spikes on. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But the lakes are beautiful, and we would highly recommend that. So those are some of our favorite hikes in the national parks. Again, not all of them, but uh, but as many as we could fit in in today's episode. But, you know, honestly, some of the best hikes we've ever done have been in national forests and Bureau of Land Management areas. So uh, we'd encourage you to explore the trails in all the public lands out there. Yeah, I can't wait to see where we go next, Karen. You. <laughs> You'll find these trails on your social media feeds. You should, though, check to make sure that they're actual trails (laughs) the next time. Um, Well, I wasn't going to tell you, but I have a few more places on my list that you might not like. I I figured that you did. (laughs) So, Karen, what's in the mailbag? Well, Matt, today's mailbag question comes from Kimberly in North Carolina. And Kimberly sent us an email, and her question is, quote, I was wondering if y'all had ever tried or considered a longer hike such as the PCT or the AT, end quote. Uh, Now, before we answer that, I was just, I love it when people say y'all. And I was just, I always have wanted to say y'all, but I, I do you think it would be weird because I'm not from the South? I if think I... You're, you're overthinking it. <laughs> I think if you have to think about whether or not 
You use the word y'all. But it sounds really cute and welcoming and friendly. And everyone that you ever hear say y'all, you just want to be their friend. I just think so it's... Which, which of those? <laughs> cute, welcoming, or friendly? Which which All is Which them. is most important, if you had to oh, choose? Oh, um, well, cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm being I, honest. I, I, knew, I knew the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Kimberly, for your question. And, uh, yeah, so that's our mailbag uh, answer for this week. And I hope you all enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, seriously. What was the question? Okay, let me read it again this time. This time, no joking around. I was wondering if y'all had ever tried or considered a longer hike such as the PCT or the AT, meaning Appalachian Trail. No. <laughs> no, because first of all, we 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 have some rules. Like I, we're we're only going to carry a backpack for so many days. That's right. We're not we're not doing a thousand miles or two thousand mile anything. Yeah, we found out when we started backpacking a few years ago that our limit uh, so far has been four nights sleeping on the ground, and that is it. And at that point, we are <laughs> desperate well, yeah. to get home. There, there's, all, there's also a point about two hours in. <laughs> that, that, if we're still close to the truck, that's that's a, a risky point there also that we usually try to give up if we can. But Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the combination of the not taking a shower for four days isn't as bad as I had thought it would be. Uh, sleeping on the ground isn't as bad as I thought it would be. But carrying that heavy pack for, what, 10, 15 miles every day is, for me, that's a killer. Yeah, when when the trash that you have to pack out is heavier than the food that you have left, <laughs> then we need to be heading back towards the trailhead. That's right. Back, back towards home. <laughs> For sure. So now I, I don't know. The you know, the people do do it in sections and and we've we've actually been on the PCT several times. We have been. We've hiked it down by Palm Springs, kind of you know, at the southern end of the of the PCT, which, by the way, I looked up runs for 2,650 miles. And then we've also hiked a few trails here in Washington State, right? We did the Kendall Catwalk as a very cool trail. And we did a hike way up in the, was it the Pesaten Wilderness, where it's all, almost to Canada, that one one yes. section. And um, also from Bridge Creek, we hiked a little part of it too. So we've been on tiny sections. You know what some people do? Um, we have a friend who every summer, she does section hikes on the Pacific Crest Trail in Washington State. And her goal is to do the entire state, but she just does it a week at a time. Now, you know, maybe we could do something like that. Maybe. Well, <laughs> Stretch it from four nights I'm, to seven. I'm trying to have fewer goals in my life. <laughs> I like being hour by hour. But here's the cool thing. So the Pacific Crest Trail runs through seven national parks, and I did not realize that. So it runs through Sequoia, Kings Canyon, Yosemite, Lassen, Crater Lake, Matt Rainier, and North Cascades. So maybe it would be fun to section hike those in the in the national parks, I would do that. I think we've probably been on the Pacific Crest Trail on, and maybe all of those parks. You just and sometimes didn't know it. Right, like through Lassen, it's only seventeen miles. Like I feel like that's doable, especially if we you know if we camped one night. Crater Lake is thirty three miles. Uh, Yosemite is seventy. That's a pretty big number. But anyway, we might want to look through that and then. 
you know, what about the Appalachian Trail? No. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. I, in Bill Bryson's book, I think the quote he said is, there is not a level place to put your foot in the entire state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, no, I think there's stretches of that where it's where it's pretty grueling. We've been on the AT also some. We, we went through, when we were in Shenandoah, we hiked a piece of it and then also in the Great Smoky Mountains. We did. We did hike a few miles. I just wanted to say that I had hiked the Appalachian Trail. Well, you even can say that. <laughs> you say a lot of things that are not true. I, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for one listener to start fact checking everything we've said for the last uh, year, well, no, and then we we're, have, we'll be canceled. Canceled. We have our fact checkers now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. So Another if, problem. If anyone is interested, the Appalachian Trail, it runs for 2,200 miles, but hiking it through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, it's 72 miles. And if you had wanted to hike it through Shenandoah National Park, it's 115 miles. So those all seem much more doable to me. I don't Good. know. Put those on and get your little <laughs> whiteboard out, your, your dry erase markers. Start making mm. some goals for yourself. Okay. Yeah, I, I will be watching football. <laughs> So I'm on my own is what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Kimberly, that is the answer to your question. But thank you for sending that in because I feel like it might have inspired us to do a little more of those trails through some of the national parks. Yeah, thanks, Kim. <laughs> y'all y'all just keep your questions to yourself from now on. <laughs> First off, we want to send out a big thank you to y'all for leaving us such nice ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We can't tell y'all how much it means to us to read your kind words. If you're new to our podcast, y'all can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, even if y'all listen to the show on Google, Stitcher, or another podcast app. I think the cute has worn off <laughs> on the y'all. <laughs> Did you get it out of your system? Yes, I think so. Okay, good. <laughs> if you enjoy the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, we think you'll enjoy our Dear Bob and Sue books as well. There are three of them in the series, and you can buy the paperback, the Kindle version, or the audiobook on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can find more information about the books and about us by heading over to one of our four websites, www. DearBobandSue.com, or find us on social media. On Instagram, we're Matt and Karen Smith, and on Facebook, we're Dear Bob and S. <laughs> Not confusing at all. Every episode, we create show notes, and those have links at the bottom that will give you more information about what we discussed, like the lifetime table. There's also a link where you can view our photos of the hikes we talked about today. Go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. Click on the episode tab in the menu bar and then click on the title for episode 27. Our show is produced by the very talented team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects and our theme music is by Will West. Matt, I think we need to start practicing some big words for our next episode. Well, we could start with saying you all. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I don't know. I might stick with y'all for just a little while longer. Uh, okay. <laughs>